Welcome to episode five of the People Experience podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be welcoming Amy Turner to the podcast. Amy is Global Employer Brand Manager at Paddle, a payments tax and subscription service for SaaS businesses, which just a few months ago joined the illustrious club of UK unicorns. And for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it's companies that are valued at over a billion pounds. Before she joined Paddle this year, Amy was Global Employer Brand Manager at Bumble, a brand I'm sure that many more of you are familiar with. We're going to talk about how Amy got into employer branding and the ins and outs of attracting the best talent for those two hugely successful but massively different companies. So Amy, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So I want to start out because I'm always kind of curious about how people got into the roles they're in. You started your career in marketing and social media. How did you get into employer branding and what is it that actually really interests you about it? Yeah, my background was, it's kind of a weird story. So I worked for a SaaS business that specialized in employee benefits and employee communications. And I was an account manager there for a few years. I used to work with lots of different businesses to help them um, get their employees engaged with things like holiday trading and childcare vouchers and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then I began doing social media for them. And I think looking back now without realizing I was, doing employer brand in that role because a big part of selling that company was kind of showing how we did it internally so showing that we had really happy engaged employees and what that looked like Um, and after that I've I've kind of worked in organic social media for a couple of years and then one day I was approached about a uh, FTC with Camelot the National Lottery to do employer brand and I was like oh I've never really kind of considered this career and it just kind of made sense it really tied together all of my kind of social media content experience and all of my experience from working in kind of the employee culture HR sphere so I went for it and I just really enjoyed it I I completely threw myself into it I went to all the networking events I went to all the talks and just I just really enjoyed it and then from there I um, went on to work at Magic Lab which became Bumble and then from from there now I've had all so yeah I've just stayed in the space and I love it. What are some of the kind of unique things about employer branding that make it so or that made it so attractive to you as someone who kind of came from a more like marketing background I think it's the content creation element so being able to make content make videos write blogs do social content that's really typically at its core just quite fun and is all about Mm. humans and people and their experience and you know the best way to sell a business is to to show the people behind the scenes and what they're doing and I think because it's employer brand, in my experience, a lot of marketing teams, they're not really that bothered. So they kind of just leave you to it. Depending on where you're working, if you're working for bigger brands, it's a bit different. But in most cases, they're happy to just let you get on. And, you know, it's a really great way to get to know different teams and get to know people from Mm. all areas of business as well, because you're working with everybody. So I'm really keen to talk about your time at Bumble. And I think specifically about coming in to run employer branding for a company that has a lot of visibility what's the process for you around kind of understanding the external talent assumptions surrounding a brand like that? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, really. So there's really obvious benefits, like people have heard of the brand, they know what you do. So when you're kind of fighting for that space on LinkedIn and, um, you know, you stand out against other lesser known brands and you've got you don't have to spend time explaining what you do and who you are because people know that. So you can focus on your key message. But 
the other side of that is there are some preconceived ideas of the brand that you have to challenge and it's not necessarily bad stuff but it could be really practical things like you know if people know Bumble they probably know that there's a really cool HQ in, in Austin in Texas but a lot of people don't realize that there's also an office in Soho in London so when we're trying to hire product managers a lot of the people that we hire are passive candidates they're not looking for a job and they may see an ad from Bumble and kind of be like oh well that's in Austin Texas so it's little things like that it's like how do you get that message to the right talent pool and, and give them the information that they need and then I guess the other part of it is when you've got a really cool brand like that loads of people want to work for it because they believe in the mission but not all of those people necessarily have the right skills for the job so it becomes really labor intensive for the recruiters to have to go through hundreds and hundreds of applications and review them all and reply so sometimes it's about okay how do we continue to deliver that brand message but make sure that our talent message is going to the right people and is helping people self-screen yeah and what do you find are kind of some of the like techniques and things that you had to employ in order to kind of reach that like sweet spot of conveying brand message but not overly saturating like the your kind of talent pools yeah it was very using very targeted messages so just um, pushing out almost having like a mini EVP for each team within the business and really understanding what is it that makes people want to come and join that team in that area so like for example with the product team it's making sure that they had visibility out in the kind of product community in London so that when we're looking for product managers people are like oh yeah you know they're in London that's fine um, and just kind of prioritizing what the messages are because when you're an employer brand, there's so much content that you can push out and it's so tempting to be like, oh, let's let's talk about this really, you know, national or global campaign. But actually the brand team are doing that and the PR team are doing that anyway. So mm. we need to focus on what it is that we need to look for. So identify where the skills gaps are. So if we need to hire Android, Android engineers, sorry, we need to make sure we've got a presence in the Android community and that we're talking about Bumble there and we're talking about or whichever brand it is. Um, we've just done a very similar thing at Paddle where we are looking for Go engineers and we've been at a Gopher conference. So it's just about making sure people know who you are and, and where you are as well. Yeah. And I mean, you were at Bumble for almost three years. I'm guessing you probably had a chance to work on lots of different projects. Are there any kind of standout things that you had a chance to get involved in that, that people might be interested to hear about? Yeah, there was always really cool campaigns happening there. Um, but I think the one that I enjoyed the most that I'm most proud of was we launched a pilot program called the Bumble Tech Academy, which was a program to bring more underrepresented genders into tech. Um, I think everybody knows that there's a huge diversity problem in tech, especially when it comes to gender. And we really wanted to do something more to help get more of those people into that role in in a way that was meaningful and had some longevity and wasn't just a tick box exercise. Um, so a small group of us got together and we partnered with a really wonderful organization called CodeOp. So if you're looking to build any kind of academy, I recommend speaking to them. They are headquartered in Barcelona, female founded, and the values just really aligned with what we were looking to do um, to, to kind of build this academy. The programme was available to women, trans and non-binary folk. There was no um, prior coding experience needed. And what made it stand out from other programmes was that Bumble paid all of the tuition fees, we paid a salary from day one, we provided all the tech and we offered a guaranteed role at the end. So there was just wow. no other programme like it. And even CodeOp said that it was kind of a model programme. 
Um, and it was a first for them and it was a first for Bumble. So it really was like a pilot experience for everybody. And it was a lot of work to get that done. We had to get a lot of buy-in internally. Um, we did a lot of research, spoke to a lot of organizations. We had to market it. Kodak were, were brilliant and handled the recruitment side of it. And be you know a few things happen internally, and it meant that we had a much shorter recruitment period than we'd intended. And in the ten day period that we had to go out and bring hire these people, we had over twelve hundred applications. Wow. So it just completely shows that there is a real need for this out yeah. in the market. And I think one of the goals we set out to achieve with that pro- with that project was to dispel this myth of the talent pipelining and kind of get rid of this idea that of, that there's just not enough people out there who want to work in tech. You know, often when we question why aren't there more women engineers, why aren't there more females at the top, we hear that there's, you know, there's no pipeline, there's no candidates, the people just aren't there, the skill set's not there. And that's just not true. You know, we had over 1,200 people in such a short space and we were only able to take eight of them onto the programme. Mm. So we were like, why can't everyone else just do a similar thing and we could, these 1,200 people who are out there and have the kind of desire to do it. And granted, they may not all have the right skill set to, to be able to go on and succeed, but chances are a lot of them will. Um, so, yeah, that was just a really exciting project that launched in October 2021. So, I mean, talking, you know, about Bumble, it's really interesting to kind of compare it then to Paddle. I mean, we've already kind of touched on this, but SaaS kind of payment solutions is a much more niche area it's also b2b whereas bumble is definitely b2c i'm so curious about kind of coming into a company like that and for context people listening i should say that amy started at paddle in late may of this year so it's still relatively new there what are kind of the um talent challenges and priorities that you've identified there in your first few months so yeah, Paddle is a very different business to Bumble, um, but is very much um, in kind of fast growth, scale up phase. Um, there's a lot of things happening. So on my second day at Paddle, this acquisition was announced um, that Paddle had just acquired another SaaS business called ProfitWell, which is quite well known in the SaaS space. Um, and off the back of that, it meant that we um, suddenly had another 80 employees based across three additional locations. So in terms of, of employer brand, there's a lot of challenges that were kind of thrown into the mix um, from what I was expected to go into. But that's kind of part of the fun with these kind of businesses. You know, they, they never stay the same. And we are currently looking at what our hiring plans are for 2023. We're also looking at things of, around diversity. Um, so there's a lot of post-acquisition stuff and a lot of settling down happening at the moment. So it's a very interesting and weird time to join the business. So what I'm focused on now is kind of refreshing all of our content, um, looking at developing our EVP, making sure it still works with ProfitWell as part of the business as well. This is kind of, it, it marks a new chapter for Paddle. I mean, Paddle's a very fast moving business anyway, but this we're going into a new phase. So how do we make sure that ProfitWell and Paddle feel aligned, that everybody feels part of one company? And then how do we sort of build a brand off that and make sure that we can hire people? Um, when it comes to doing employer branding for a company like Paddle, which as you say is super fast moving, that's just the nature of startups. There's going to be things in the mix that lots of people don't necessarily know about at all times. What's the challenge around kind of like keeping that 
I can't think of a better way of putting this than energy or keeping that kind of like dynamic alive and also communicating kind of clearly to people and making sure that people feel like they are invested within the company they work for if that makes sense yeah and that that is the challenge really to be honest um because it was funny because I joined and I think in my second week we had a team meeting and we're digital first so all of our meetings take place on zoom and people are dialing in from wherever they are and someone kind of made a comment of, of like oh I know there's a lot of new faces on the call and I was like oh like, because to me, everyone was a new face. And mm. I've kind of forgot that for half the people on that call, there was suddenly another load of people who joined their team. And so it's it's kind of weird because I've come in and I'm kind of watching this happen. And I'm, but I'm not experiencing it in the same way as everyone else. And I think that's quite an interesting position to be in, in terms of employer brand, because for other external people, it's going to be the same for them. Like they're going to come in and they're not going to have that same experience unless they know Paddle or Profitwell really well. Um, they're going to come in and they're going to come into this new company. So a big part of it really is, okay, how do we communicate this to candidates and say, this is what's just happened and this is why things feel the way they feel right now, but this is the direction that we're going in. Um, so that in terms of the energy, it's very much, you just get things done and it's just things are just constantly moving all the time. And I think actually in some ways that's, it feels weird for me to go back to that because I've gone from having quite a lot of layers of approval to back to just, yeah, do what you want, just go and do it and we'll make it happen. Does the employer branding sign off strategy process for a company like Paddle differ because it's B2B and payments and tax at that rather than a B2C company like Bumble? I think so, yeah. I th- and I think it has to be. I think that's just the nature of when you've got a really big brand-led business of course they're going to be more protective and there's you know if it's just a larger company there are just more people involved and um more people need to know what's happening I guess paddle is is still quite small as I mean I say small it's 380 people now but in terms of who's involved in in kind of our team we're a very close team we have weekly meetings we're normally all kind of all around the office the the leadership in the marketing in particular are just great to work with you know that we everyone has a lot of autonomy and everyone's really trusted and you see that in every thing that everyone does um so if you've got an idea it's just like yeah go for it if it doesn't work it doesn't work and really having that culture of failure is okay like let's just give something a go um so you do you naturally have that freedom when it's a smaller business and it's like i say things change all the time we're very it's very fast moving so nothing really is permanent um so yeah, my my experience of Paddle so far has been, yeah, just if you've got an idea, go for it. Let's make it happen. Um, everyone's really supportive. Everyone's super helpful. Um, I mean, I've just made a video this morning with one of our employees. I was like, do you fancy being in this office video? He's like, yeah. Um, and it's just so refreshing to have that rather than having to be like, okay, well, can we ask your manager and can we check with this person? So it does make my job easier. And I've had, weirdly, I had a similar experience before. So I used to work for... Camelot who run the national lottery and they're an extremely regulated business like so so regulated obviously and um what was weird about there was it it almost felt like I was working in a startup because I'd come in and I had a great manager there who taught me loads about video editing it was my first employer brand job and he was super passionate about employer brand and sometimes we'd come in and just pick up a camera and go and shoot stuff that day and then it was about getting buy-in from the kind of corporate team. And the way that I did that was I 
went and sat with them for two days a week. So I spent two days of my week sitting with their team and I re- like kind of really integrated myself with the team and got their trust basically. And it really helped to speed things up. Um, so that was kind of a weird combination of the two because it was kind of, yeah, get on with it and do what you want. But also, you know, we have to follow these very strict regulations. So I've never worked anywhere that's been really, really um, strict on approvals. But I would say, yeah, B2C is probably a bit more labor intensive. So you came into Paddle really recently. I'm curious to ask, what's the kind of process in that first few months? I guess the first way we can look at this is like, what's the data that you really need to make sure that you stand a chance of developing a really good employer brand? I think it's about just coming in and understanding the business and getting to know the business and also remembering to come in and look at it with fresh eyes because that's how candidates see it. And I think sometimes the, the longer you are in a business and the more you get to see, you know, and you, you get to kind of learn all of those kind of things that are tucked away in the corner, it can start to like impact your own opinion of the brand or the company. So I think it's really nice to come in somewhere and just really fresh eyes look at everything be like how does this look to other people who don't know anything what does this mean how does this feel to an external person because that's always going to be your candidate really people are going to do their research obviously so I think in terms of data I was really fortunate that Paddle worked with a really great agency and did some kind of foundation research not too long ago so I've got some really great persona data that I'm working with I think it's probably a little bit out of date already but it's a good starting point and it's nice to come in and have that to work off Um, And then, of course, it's now trying to understand ProfitWell, which is the other business that we acquired, and then trying to understand how they've merged together. So it's really been about getting to know, going and speaking to all the different team members, um, getting familiar with all of our creative and our processes, and then trying to understand where are our strengths, where are our weaknesses, what what does our hiring look like for the next 12 months, um, what is our EVP, you know, there's just, it's just, there's just so much to kind of come in and do. And it's almost one of those things where it's like, there are so many ideas of things we could do. It's like, where do you start? How do you prioritize? Mm. Um, but like I said, it's the people there are just so helpful. So it's been, you know, it's been quite a nice experience. What are some of your early priorities that you kind of pinpointed? So looking at refreshing some of our content. So just really basic hygiene stuff, Mm. like, um, updating our career pages to make sure again that we're being inclusive and that we're reflecting on new our new colleagues we've now got colleagues in Argentina uh, in different parts of America so how do we bring all of that together and how do we make sure we've we've got one global voice um, one thing that is trickier with a digital first business is how do we get really engaging content because you know I've been making a video in the office this morning but that's one small part of our business that's one of our hubs you know mm-hmm. we've got several different hubs around the world we've got people working from all different places how do we bring those people into the conversation how do we get that engaging content that isn't just people sat on a zoom meeting or sharing their desk you know it's, it's trying to come up with ideas like that that will stand out from our competitors um yeah the zoom meeting content is not yeah. something that anyone wants <laughs> to see in 2022 exactly <laughs> um so <laughs> it's yeah trying to trying to get creative with how we approach that um and also as well as focusing on our people and how amazing they are, we also need to keep it, keep what we do in the picture. So, you know, we are a SaaS yeah. business at the end of the day. We, we have to keep that there as well. Like, as you said earlier, I think a big part of B2B businesses is people 
your employees and your people are part of your brand because if you're especially if you're a small business and you're buying a service from another provider you want to know that the people who work there know what they're doing and know mm. what they're talking about so it's great to make all this fun content but we also need to show you know our credibility as well you mentioned earlier how the tech industry has a diversity problem anyone who's paying any attention knows that what are kind of the the challenges around that at paddle and obviously it's very early days but are there any things you kind of have in place and are getting the ball rolling on at this point yeah absolutely i think paddle has the same challenges as most other tech SaaS businesses out there you know i think we're all in very similar positions um but one thing a couple of things that we're doing at paddle at the moment we recently launched a dei working group which I think I was on day three in the business and I was like, can I join this? And got myself involved because it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, So it's been great being part of that for the whole time I've been there. We've already started to kind of implement some some small changes. We've also launched our first ERG. There's another one in the making. Um, So yeah, lots of exciting stuff happening. And to be honest, that's part of the excitement of, of being an employer brand manager is looking for something where there's potential to make change and a potential to have an impact. Um, you know, if you went somewhere where everything was perfect, there's no fun in the role, is there? It's, it's where can we go and have a positive impact? And it's something that I'm super passionate about and something that I definitely will be embedding into everything that we do with our employer brand for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'm also kind of curious about the, the global aspect that we've talked about. Obviously, like you say, you've now very recently acquired new offices in the States and was it South America as well? Yeah, Argentina. What in terms of employer branding is kind of the line that you have to walk between having obviously like a centralized identity as a company and then also making sure that things are localized and um, appeal to people within those specific locations. Yeah, I think my long-term plan for that is it's going to have to be, we need people on the ground. We need champions at least in each area um, because especially with talent you know the talent markets are so different everywhere the talent market in the US is so different to what it is here so understanding what you know how do we speak to candidates what does the recruitment process look like what what do they expect from us what are the benefits we're offering there on par with what other um, SaaS or tech businesses are offering it's it's all of that stuff that we need to figure out but also bringing everyone together and making everyone unified and kind of say you're going to be part of this global brand this you know global company there's going to be so many opportunities but actually what this means for you in your specific area is this and yeah, yeah it's so this kind of global strategy global evp but very localized campaigns um but a lot of that will also depend on what hiring looks like as well and what the hiring plan is so i want to talk specifically about employee advocacy what's your attitude towards getting people involved in the kind of content that you're putting out in a way that's authentic but also strategic and fits in with your kind of wider goals yeah i think employee advocacy is it is a hard one because it basically is your brand isn't it right what what your employees are saying about you and whether or not they're advocating for you is your brand and it's one of the things that you have the least control over so i think basically what it comes down to it's it's autonomy and freedom the more autonomy that your people have to go out and talk about your business the better I think if you're in an environment where people feel like they're scared of what they can and can't say they tend not to bother um 
But we're really lucky at Paddle because we have got some really genuinely engaged employees. So for example, as we speak, there are two of our employees out doing a road trip around Europe at the moment. They're doing a 30 day road trip. Two guys from our sales team, um, Amani and Aaron, shout out to them. Um, so we have a, a benefit at Paddle called Navigate, which is where you can go and work from any country um, for up to 45 days a year. And as it, it's not just allowed, Paddle encourages it by giving you an Airbnb voucher to encourage you to go and do it. So these two guys are doing this road trip at the moment and they're doing part work, part holiday for oh 30 days. And they came to the marketing team and said, we'd love to do like a bit of a video diary and film it. Is that okay? And we were like, of course that's okay. <laughs> so we gave them some video equipment. We gave them a GoPro. We showed them how to use it. And we just said, yeah, go and do your thing. And they've been doing this video diary and they're posting it up to LinkedIn. They're also tagging their clients and their our suppliers and our leaders. So it's getting global engagement from all different audiences. That's amazing. It's those, basically those the marketing dream, right? Paddle. <laughs> and we didn't ask them to do this. They came to us. And I just know there are some companies that would be like, well, what are they going to say? Like, how are we going to manage it? How are we going to, how are we going to approve it? We're like, no, just go and do your thing. Like we trust them. Um, and our social media manager even said to them, let's, you know, we'll, I'll give you access to Instagram. Let me know when it's a good time and you can do an Instagram takeover. So there are a few little bits like that that we worked on them with, like worked with them on, sorry. Um, but other than that, we haven't, like, it's not being controlled. It's not like, okay, we well, have to say this and don't say this. It was just, yeah. yeah, go and do it. And they're actually capturing a load of other content that they're going to bring back to our video team and they're going to edit it and do some kind of perfect, more kind of polished content after the facts. But yeah, they're, they're out there doing the thing. So working for a company that just, ha- you know, gives people that freedom, it's incredible. Like, that's an amazing bit of content that we can probably use for a while um and it's completely genuine completely authentic it's great yeah and there's no way you would be able to have content like that if you weren't giving people that kind of freedom and flexibility and trust yeah. that you just wouldn't be able to kind of manufacture it and it's just interesting because they're just doing a, a diary of them to like touring italy and you know it's just like them eating pizza and drinking beer and stuff <laughs> it's not like talking about our products but yeah. it's just a really good representation of this is these are our people this is who works for us yeah. and then they're you know, but they're including their clients and stuff. It's just incredible. Like, it, it's really great work. I'm really jealous. I want to be on an Italian road trip. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll, when's I'll yours? do one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, Paddle's obviously had a really, really exciting year and is in a, a phase of, of big growth um, well, after reaching unicorn status. What's next for you guys on the employer branding front? What kind of big goals and ideas do you have on the horizon? I mean, it's just, I say just, but it's a massive project, isn't it? It's going to be redefining our EVP, making sure that the EVP we have is representative of of who our business is, making sure that we can hire the best people, looking at how we can improve diversity in that process, um, continuing to be um, an employer of choice. You know, we've just got huge, very ambitious plans for employer brand. Um, I'm the first employer brand person at Paddle. It's never been managed before. I think they've done an incredible job when I looked at, at all of their, rec- obviously I, I joined the company, so I was like, must have been impressed to yeah. some degree. Um, but I also saw a lot of potential there as well, which is, you know, what makes being an employer brand manager really good fun. You want to go somewhere where there's a good challenge and where there's lots of opportunity. So I think it's, you know, being as, as ambitious as, as the company in general. So as we scale and grow, how do we make that brand grow and help us attract more and more people to come and work for us um, and make sure that we're getting the talent that we need. And, you know, 
like having hundreds of applications that we can turn down and then be like, oh, you know, we're getting too many people apply to us and having yeah. that problem. There's worse problems. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that all sounds really exciting and obviously I wish you all the best with it. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on the podcast. It was, yeah, such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.